I love going through Mark. I, I get excited about the first time I open it up to see where I'm going to be preaching at because I'm letting the story show up as I open it and say, "This is this where God wants me to preach? Because I was tempted to skip the story that we're reading because it's one of those stories, it's one of those instances that have a question mark and go, what does that even mean? I had to go dig a little deeper and it will, I believe that today if you hold on and listen for just a minute, it will be helpful, okay? It will be helpful. Maybe God is going to, not me, God will reveal something to you that you've never even thought about in this passage of scripture because it's very interesting. It's very easy to get to this part and want to skip it and get to the good part. We're in Mark 12. And again, we're in the very last week of Jesus' life. And there's a lot that goes on in the last week of Jesus' life. Um, again, I all of Jesus' words are very important. But when you get into the last week of Jesus' life, and he knows that he's going to the cross, it's, it's, it's very beneficial to lean it, lean forward spiritually and listen to what Jesus is saying to you and to me and it's very challenging, but I want to begin this message very different. I, I, in college years, you know, back in the day, they tried to teach you how to start a sermon. And sometimes I don't know how to start a sermon good. This one's a good example, but this is different. I want to begin by playing a game. Okay. I want to pretend, I want all of us to pretend that we're secret service agents. Okay. Did you know that secret service agents do more than just protect the president? They, they, one of the things that they do is they investigate currency to see if it's genuine or fake. Um, how many of us have ever held a fake coin or dollar bill? Um, I've never, I've never held a fake dollar bill, but a coin, my grandpa owned a car wash and oftentimes we would see those little, they're the size of a quarter and they're just like blanks. So people would make them and use them as quarters. Don't do it. That's illegal. You should not be able to do that. Don't make those, right? But we it's obvious, how do you know that it wasn't a real quarter? Because it didn't have the picture of George Washington on it. There was no eagle on the back. If I remember right, that's what this on the back of a quarter, right? It used to be, used to be. I'm dating myself a little bit. But I want you to take a gander over here on the screen. And there's two $100 bills. Now, I have bad news. The, the good news is we're just playing a game for fun. And it's not a point. But the bad news is I don't have a $100 bill to give you if you get the right answer. Okay, either A or B. One one is real. One is a real $100 bill. The second one, uh, the either A or B, the second one, there's going to be a real one and a, and a counterfeit one. Now, here's part. Here's where you got to investigate a little bit. Take a few seconds and look at the dollar bill, $100 bill. And uh, I want you to figure out which one's the real one. Okay. Don't think too hard. They're actually, you be quiet because you listened to me when I was practicing. Which, by the way, she was wrong at first when she guessed it. There is a, there, it, the, the picture's horrible because there is evidence of which one's real right now. You can see it right now. There's, there's evidence of it. How many of us believe that A is the real one? A couple of us, three of us, four. How many of us think B is the real one? Okay. B is the real one. You want to know the little trick that I, I don't like this picture? There is a, uh, there's a line right there, like a pen mark. They put that at the store a lot of times. They mark it with a pen to see if it shows up. And if it shows up, it's genuine. So I don't like that picture, but I'll give you a reason why. If you want to know genuine, if something's very genuine or not, there's going to be evidence. There's going to be signs. Something's going to be there 
if it's genuine. If it's counterfeit, if it's fake, if it's phony, those things are going to be a little bit altered. They're going to be a little bit off, okay? One thing is that little circle right there, and I cannot hold this up, my hand shaking, so excuse me. See that little circle right there? They're different. Can you tell they're different? Everybody say yes. One's darker, one's lighter, okay? This circle is over the $100, the $100 sign right here, okay? This one's underneath it. This one was put on top of the $100. That's one of the evidences that you know it's phony. Another one is the font is a little bit different right there. And the picture is not the good, best quality, but trust me, the $100 in the corner is a little bit different. One's dark, one's kind of grayish. That one's genuine, that one's fake, okay? And I'm sure there's a 100 different things on there. Looks like that someone used that one because they got a crease. They put it in their pocket, okay? There is evidence. My point is, when it comes to authenticity, when it comes to seeing something that's real, you have to look for specific signs. Certain evidence is going to be there. If when it comes to anything genuine, for example, if I say I love my family, if I say I love my son or I love my wife, I'm going, there's going to be some kind of evidence that proves it. I could just say to anyone here, I love you. But if there's no evidence to back that up, is it genuine or not? When it comes to dollar bills or it comes to coins, there's certain evidence that has to be there. Those little blanks of those uh, quarters, it was that was an obvious one. There was nothing. It was just blank. It was a piece of, sh- like, metal. But this one, there's little evidences that if you don't, if you're not careful, you can't tell the difference between the fake and the, gen- and the genuine one. There's only little things that you have to look for. Now, we're going to return to Mark 12, and you're going to wonder, what the heck is he talking about? $100 bills. Now, if I was a, if I was a rich person... I would have given each one that had it right $100 bills. That would have made it really stick. But um, but sorry, you know, have like a good smile. Ready? But we're going to be in Mark chapter 12, and we're going to be in verse 35 in just a moment. And again, verse 35 through 40 is a very short passage. It's easy to want to skip it. It's easy to read it and go, okay, next. But I want us, I want us to pause there for this week because I want to see what Jesus is doing because I want to give you a little bit of backstory from this because if you've been following along in my series, the last few weeks, Jesus has been talking to religious people. And you would think that'd be a good thing, but oftentimes when he talked to religious people, um, it was a negative thing because they were trying to trap him. They were trying to trick him into saying something that was wrong, and then they could arrest him. Their main goal right now for Jesus in this final week was let's arrest him so that we can kill him because he has too much influence. Because at this point, many of his followers that were following him did abandon him. But there are a few people, they were still, and you'll see it today too, they were amazed at what he said. Last week, remember last week's story? He actually amazed one of the teachers of religious law. He was like, "You you said everything correctly. And then Jesus taught him about, you know, the, the, the most important commandment. What do you say? Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Most of us know that part. Then they say, we can't really deny that he's, we can't say he's wrong. So everybody, let's abandon this. We're going to stop questioning him for today. Then the next day, Jesus starts asking the questions. And again, this is probably, I wrote it down here. This is probably on 
Tuesday, more likely like it's probably Wednesday. He was arrested on Thursday. He died on Friday, so he's very close to the end. He's very, very, very close to being arrested. You know, Judas Iscariot's going to give him a kiss. That was the sign. The person that I kiss, you go arrest him. That was soon. But this time, he starts asking the questions because for the last chapter, they've been asking him the questions, trying to, trying to trap him. Then you get into verse 35. And again, please, I want you to hang on as we read this because it's easy to go, what does that even mean? There's a lot of it that, you know, the English language of the Bible, oftentimes this is an example of it. It, it doesn't give us the full story right, right away. You have to kind of go into the original language um, a little bit. It'll help. But he says later, after this, after they abandoned him, later, a lot of people think this is the next day, but we don't know exactly. Later, as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple, he asked the people, why do the teachers of religious law claim, again, remember them? They were the ones that were tra- like drilling him, trying to trap him. They have no, they have evil and horrible motives, except for the one that really did accept Jesus, the one that said, I, I, you're right. And he wanted to go deeper with Jesus. There's one guy. I want to know what happened to him, but we don't know. But he says, why do the group of people that were just drilling me, why do they claim that the Messiah is the son of David? Pause for just a moment. We're going to talk about Jesus being Messiah, Jesus being Lord here. But for centuries, they were waiting for this guy to show up in the you know, at some point, this guy was going to show up and he was going to be a deliverer. Everybody say the word deliverer. Deliverer, right? He came, this, this man who God was going to send into the world was going to deliver the people of God and he was going to hand the enemies over to, to God Almighty. God's going to judge the enemies, but he's going to deliver us. So they've been waiting for centuries. And every single one of them, including myself, would say, this Messiah is going to be the son of David. He's going to be, he's going to come from the line of King David. How many of us have ever heard that before? Jesus is the son of David. We've all said it. So this is where it kind of gets interesting because Jesus is saying something to them. And I think that he's the one that's trying to trap them. He's trying to get them with something they already know. But why do the teachers of religious law claim to be the Messiah that he is the son of David? For David himself, King David, famous king, one of the greatest kings of all time, if not the greatest outside of Jesus, king of Israel. He said, speaking under the inspiration or influence of the Holy Spirit. Pause right there. That's a freebie right there. Look at Jesus' view of the Bible. How does he feel about the Bible? What does he feel about the book of Psalms? What does he think about what King David says? He is not speaking for himself. He's not speaking his opinion. He's speaking under the influence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is guiding him, directing him to write in the Bible. So get that before we go on the rest of this, that King David is going to write something here that is influenced by the Holy Spirit. That means it's truth, okay? And he goes, David himself, speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said, the Lord said to my Lord, pause right there, let's just say that statement together. The Lord said to my Lord, Okay, we're going to talk about that phrase because the English language, the English translation is, it's not as good as if we had the original one right now. Now, I don't know Hebrew. I don't know Greek. I don't know Aramaic. I can, I can study it and get to know the gist of it. Okay. But if you read it in the English language, there is evidence 
Because if you look at each Lord, they're a little bit different, right? Look at it, how it's a little bit different. Okay, we're going to get to that in just a moment. It's very important. But he's actually quoting from Psalms. The Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies beneath your feet. This is a prophecy in the book of Psalms because the book of Psalms has prophecy in it. And he's prophes- David is prophesying about this future king. Okay, the Lord said to what? My Lord. Everybody say, my Lord. David is identifying this guy as his Lord. Okay? Since David himself called the Messiah my Lord, how can the Messiah be his son? Okay, again, I picked this one because I wanted to get to something that most of us, if not all of us, including myself, would go, eh, okay, it's good. Next. Because I was tempted to do that in this sermon. Because I thought, what does that, what does that even, okay, so we know Jesus is the Messiah. But, okay, let's move on right there from there. He goes, the large crowd listened to him with great delight. That's how we know that some people still love Jesus. Jesus also taught them, beware of these teachers of religious law. Everybody say beware. Look out. Keep your eye out and look for the phonies. Look for the phonies. Look for the guys and the people who don't really believe. They're counterfeit. Okay, well, how do I know that? For they like to parade around in flowing robes and receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces. Can you imagine? Sometimes you get this with pastors. Some people, when they go to the grocery store and they say, hey, Joel, oh, should I call you pastor? I say, just call me Joel. That's my name. I don't, my name is not pastor. See, I don't walk around. I've earned my past. You know, I couldn't, when I was in college, I couldn't wait until I could put my name on my desk or my name on the, my, my office door, pastor. I couldn't wait because everybody, when they wanted to be pastor, they could not wait for that nameplate. Maybe you, maybe teachers understand, you, you know, when, when Mrs., she couldn't wait until she was called Mrs. Bremer for the first time, right? And I remember when she first was a teacher, I'd, I think I dropped her off, went to work, but I took a picture of the name. I was like, that's my last name. I took a picture of her name. Like, this is how religious people are that they make it all about themselves. You must honor me. You must kiss my ring. You must kiss my feet. You must bow down to me and worship me. Not God, but I'm being facetious, but they like to parade around flowing in beautiful robes, beautiful clothing. And they like to receive respectful greetings. Hello, pastor. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. Thank you for asking. I'm going to pray. See ya. Right? Okay? And they love the respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces. And how they love the seats of honor in the synagogues. And the head table at banquets. This happened even when I was first a Christian. There's nothing wrong with it, but except it was kind of funny. When the church service happened... The worship team would go up to the stage, like today, and there was these special chairs that would be on the stage. Who would sit in the chairs? The pastoral staff, right? Does anybody ever gone to a church that did that? The pastoral staff. Again, I'm not picking on them. I'm not saying they're sitting on there because of this. I'm not, okay? There, maybe that was just a tradition. I don't know. When I first went to the church, there was a few questions I had for the church, I didn't know about the raising hands thing. Another thing I didn't realize was, or I didn't understand was why there are people sitting on the stage. They were just sitting there. 
You know, they told us to raise our hands. They told us to get up to the front and they're sitting in their chairs like, and then one would get up and start preaching and the other staff would sit there too. Again, I'm being facetious, but get this picture a little bit here because I don't see that. I'm sure it happens. Um, but they love to sit at the head table at banquets. Yet they, there's, there's, there's a, there's a change here. Okay. They do this, but they avoid this. They avoid the most important thing that it means to be a Christian, to serve, to love, to be there for them. Okay. And he says they cheat widows out of their property. I, we don't understand completely about what that exactly entails, but somehow the, the widows that had the rights to certain property, maybe their husband died and they were able to have, and I don't know, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not, this is not my gifting here. I don't know exactly what it was, but my guess is that they had the right for their homestead because their husband just died, but these religious people go, no, we need it. That kind of thing. And then they not only did that, but they pretended to be pious by making long prayers in public. Now here's the warning for religious people who like to parade around and make it all about themselves and not about God. Because of this, they will be more severely punished. How many of us want that to be true about you? Do you want to be more severely punished? Guess who is the one in this room that's going to be more severely punished if he's not careful? This one. Me. Because I can make it all about myself. We can make it all about ourselves. We can be, here's the, here's the deal. All this entire thing, it's all about phoniness. They loved to look like they were important. They loved to have the seats of honor at banquets. They loved to be at the head table while at the same time they're robbing the widows of their right, rightful place. Who should have been one in the head table? Those widows. The people who people often ignore. Okay? They should be at the head of the table, not the teachers of religious law, not those people at the synagogues. They should have said, you know what, ma'am? Why don't you sit over here? Instead they went, you go sit in the back. Because people, widows were treated horribly, and it was the same thing in the church, not in the Christian church, but these people in the synagogues. Now, this is the warning here. Beware of counterfeits. They're not genuine believers. They're not real. Because of this, because they're fake, because they're all talk, because there's a big, there's a big, they just have a big, huge mask over their face that makes them look religious. Because of this, they're going to be severely punished by God. Now, that's the warning to us. What I mean is phony. Phony. That's why when I talk to people, even Christians, especially Christians, I would rather them say, you know what, right this second, Pastor, I'm not doing that good. God just wants us to be real. Like, we've gone to people, I've gone to people myself, and someone, hey, Joel, how you doing? Inside, I'm doing horrible, but I go, good. How you doing? Good. I'm doing great. You know, I've had some such wonderful days, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then, but inside my heart is just hurting. God wants genuine. He wants genuine faith. He wants genuine belief. He wants, doesn't want phoniness. These people, they're, they're preaching a counterfeit gospel. So my question today is, well, how do you know what's genuine? What do you, what, how do we know it's genuine faith? What's real? What are the signs? Well, let's look for just a moment at the very beginning of what we just read. And again, it's easy to skip it. 
because it's like, where's, it's just odd. Later, as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple, he asked, why do the teachers of religious law claim that the Messiah is the son of David? Now, I'm willing to bet, and I'm not trying to trick anybody here, that you agree with that. I agree with that myself. How many of us believe that the Messiah is going to come from the line of David? Why do we believe that? Because the scripture says so. So what's Jesus doing here? This is why I kind of, this is A, why I wanted to do it, but this is A, B, why I wanted to skip it too. Because like, what is Jesus? Jesus, you're denying the Bible right here? No, he's not. Because he's, he's taking what they believe, they already believe it, and he's digging under the surface. Again, phony Christians, phony believers, they have this mask of genuine, it's like the $100 bill from a distance, you won't know the difference. It looks real. There are certain religions and certain cults that sound very Christian. I'm going to pick on a couple of them just a little bit because it's very dangerous to sound like you're Christian, but in reality, you're preaching a counterfeit gospel. The gospel is very clear, right? Jesus, and here's the main idea, what we're getting at. What is Jesus getting at here? He is Lord. The Messiah is Lord. He is God in the flesh. He is God the Son. He's the second person of the Trinity. He is not just a good teacher. He's not just a religious person. He's not just an earthly king. He's not just a son of David. He is God. This is why when you get this, it's like, Jesus, what are you saying? But when you dig a little deeper, it makes 100% sense. So again, I hope that this is going to be as helpful as it was to me the last couple of days of studying this. Because he goes on, for David himself speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he said, and then he quotes right from Psalm 110. Psalm 110, I'm just going to put it up there, why not? It says exactly what Jesus said. But Psalm 110 verse 1 is David's own words. And who's who's right? Okay, let's do another little game here. Who's writing this? Who wrote it down physically? David. Who's he inspired by? The Holy Spirit. He's inspired by the Holy Spirit. He's wrote it. So it's not his own idea. So think about this. As you're reading this, imagine it's King David. Okay, he's sitting there writing down a song for kings. But this little line is a prophecy. He goes, the Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. How many of us know that as a reference to Jesus Christ? Okay. It's not referring to King David. And here's the thing about this entire thing. Um, this is a song of blessing to the king of Israel, but there's an interesting little thing right here. Lord... Lord. Now, in the English language, that's the exact same word, right? Everybody say Lord. Now, do the second one. What's the second word? Lord. Okay, first one, what's the first word? Lord. What's the second one? Lord. Same thing. Apple, apple. Like, but one thing you got to realize, in the Hebrew, this and that are different words altogether. That would change the meaning so if you read it in English, again, you, you're like me. You can't help it. You speak English unless you, there's, I, I found out and I found out before that people don't, they watch this sermon outside of this country. Okay. More people watch this outside of the United States than people that watch the United States. 
I get little statistics on that. But um, here, in, here in the United States, for at least for me, I speak English. I, sh- I should learn another language. I'm very uncultured, right? I'll, I'll just pick on me. But I speak English. So when I read this in English, it really is like, okay, the Lord said to my Lord, that's kind of repetitive. But when you read it in the Hebrew, you got to remember the very first one. What's the difference between that one and that one? There's three, ca- there's four capital letters in the first one. When you read your Bible, there's times where the Lord will be capitalized L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Then there's other Lords that will be capital L, lowercase O, R, D. Two different words, two different meanings. So maybe you won't get, I got excited when I was like looking at it. Like, I've always been really curious about that, but Lord, Capitals, all capitals refers to the Hebrew word that we get for Yahweh. Okay? It's the name of God. Okay? We know the first one is not just Lord of, you know, it's not just the king. It's, it's God Almighty. It is God. God Almighty. So basically, God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, he's saying something. So what's he saying? He said to, this is David. Remember who's writing this? David. God said to my Lord, not God said to my son, not God said to me, God said to my Lord, lowercase o-r-d. Okay, now the first one, Yahweh, God, name of God. Second one, this might be weird, but it's the word Adonai, which a lot of times we use that name for God. But simply, it simply means king, it means Lord, like, it, again, I'm in the United States of America. We don't have lords here. Do we have lords here at all? If you go to another country, there's going to be king this, lord that, right? And what do you do when you go to the, well, the Queen of England's no longer alive, but what do you do? I've seen enough footage of the Queen of England. You bow your head. Respect, honor, okay? She's lord, in a sense, okay? But you have all sorts of lords. They're, they're these rulers, so, the, Yahweh, God Almighty, he said to my Lord, he said to Adonai, he said to this ruler, this king, he said to my Lord, okay? And he says, sit in the place of honor at my right hand. Again, speaking of Jesus, the Messiah, this Messiah is going to sit in the place of what? What's the word? Honor at my right hand. Boy, this must be a very important person. How many of us think King David is sitting at the right hand of God right now? No. Jesus, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I, the Lord, Yahweh, I make, I humble your enemies and I'm going to make them a footstool on your feet. Jesus is going like this, drinking something cold to drink. He's got a lemonade or something like that. Why? Because he doesn't, I mean, he's been, he, the battle's already won. He's already won. And so this is what David's saying. So let's bring this back. Let's bring this back to the book of Mark 12 because Jesus, when he's speaking, he says to these people in the synagogue, how come the rulers, how come they claim that he's the son of David? Which in a sense, they're right. He is. But he's not just the son of David. He's a lot more than that. Because the son of David would be a future king just like David would be king. 
we know that David had children, and they had children, okay? What Jesus is referring to, he's saying that the Holy Spirit inspired David to say that his future king, this future Messiah, this person that's going to be coming at some point, he's going to be my Lord. That means that this future king has authority over King David, over me. He's someone special. See, in, in those days, for sure, you would never, a, a person would never say that their child, their grandchild, their great-grandchild would have authority over them. Nope, they would never say that. If you're a grandpa, you're a great-grandpa, you're authoritative. What you, what your word, what you say goes, you listen to grandpa. Or as I said, Papa. That's what I said to my, my grandpa. You listen to him, his word, and I always, I did. I, I respected, honored my grandparents, but my grandpa never called me Lord. He never called me King. King Joel, I might have acted like it when I was in his house, going in his fridge and grabbing all his food when I show up. Um, but this is not going to be an ordinary human being. This is not going to be an ordinary king. This Messiah is going to be Lord over us all. Actually, Psalm 110 is quoted in many New Testament scriptures to refer to Jesus not just being a king, but he's going to be ruler over all. He's God in the flesh. God, the Lord, Yahweh, who's sitting at his right hand, this Messiah, this king, Jesus, right hand, this person, Jesus, has authority. No, it's not just anybody just sits right next to God Almighty, the Father. And he says to Jesus, I want you to sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. So David is saying, this king's going to come from my line, but it doesn't just end there. He's Lord. He's my Lord. So we need to ask some questions to see if we have received a counterfeit gospel or authentic gospel. The first question might seem like I'm, I'm not, I'm, like I don't respect anybody here, but we need to ask this question. I need to ask it. Do we believe that Jesus is Lord? You might think, are you kidding me? I've been a Christian, pastor, I've been a Christian a lot longer than you. Probably. I've been a Christian since 1996. And the reality is, this is a question that often we do not ask. It's assumed that we, that we assume that we believe that Jesus is Lord. But listen, is he just a good teacher? Like in some religions? Is he just a human leader? Do you believe that he's Lord over all? See, I want to be very honest about religion. Most religions, not all, most religions and most cults they believe in some in a Jesus person. They believe that Jesus was historical. It takes a very uneducated, non-historical person to admit that Jesus didn't actually exist in history. Most people believe that there was a Jesus Christ. Okay? But these other religions, these cults, they will say no to this question. They will honor Jesus as a prophet, they will honor him as a good teacher. Like he said a few good things that we could all hang our hat on. They honor him that way. He's a religious figure, but he's not Lord. He's not God in the flesh. For sure, he's not God. Mormons, and I don't mean to pick on them. I love the Mormons. 
I see them all the time. They come to my house all the time. I don't know why. I've told them I'm sold them what I believe. But for some reason, my name is still on their list. But instead of slamming the door, I've engaged in some conversations with them. But I've learned from years of study of the Mormons, and I love them, they speak to Jesus, of Jesus as God. So it sounds good, but they, be, they believe that he is a created being that became God like we can become God. That's, if you're good enough, if you're good enough, if anyone's good enough, you can become God. It's not guaranteed. When you go, when you die and you go to be with God in heaven, God the Father, that we know of God the Father, you might be God if you're good enough here on earth. But they look at Jesus as the exact same way. He was created and he elevated himself to God's status. That is a counterfeit gospel. That is not what we believe. Jehovah's Witnesses, I love them. I get them showing up at my door. They give me a little pamphlet that I read. They're wonderful people. I had a great conversation with two ladies at the door one time. I, it was a great conversation. I, I, I love those people. I do. But they don't believe that Jesus is Lord. They don't believe that God is in the flesh. They believe that he was originally created as Michael the archangel, but he's not Lord. Listen to me. I'm not trying to pick on any one religion or cult. I'm not. It's easy to claim Jesus is Lord, but not to really, 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 really believe it. It's counterfeit. It's just, it's slightly off. You can use the same language, but it's not the same Jesus. I'm going to teach you something here really quick. If they show up to your door, don't close the door on them. You, in the power of the Holy Spirit, have influence over them. You sow seeds. I would ask them to read one verse. John 1, 3. Now, did you know, have you ever read John 1, 1? John 1, 1 is such a huge verse because John 1, 1 says that Jesus, it claims that Jesus is God. It's clear, plain, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jehovah's Witnesses have a different Bible. It's the, it's the New World Translation. And it says, in the beginning was God, in the beginning was God, and, and, and in the beginning, uh, was the word, and the word was a God. They had the word a, okay? He was a God. But if you ask Mormons and you ask Jehovah's Witness to read John 1, 3, it's the exact same verse in their translation too. Nothing changes. This is why John 1, 3 is important. John 1, 3, it says, God created everything through him. Pause. Who's him? Jesus. Because John 1 is talking about this, the word. Jesus. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. How could a created being create something? It's impossible. If something is creating something, that means he's already there. He's there before the creation. So John 1.1, even though some of the wording is a little bit off, they add a few words that are not in the original language. John 1.3 is exactly the same. So, I'm saying this as an example of what we mean by Jesus is Lord. If he's Lord, that means that he's bigger than just a man. Jesus, God created everything through Jesus, and nothing was created except through Jesus. He's the Word. In the beginning, God spoke. What do you think he was speaking? 
the word, creation, be, you know, come alive. Jesus is the one to do it. So you, if you're part of a church or a cult that is saying that Jesus is a lesser God or he became God or he's a created being that became God, you, you can't, you have to, you have to ignore this verse right here. You have to. Okay. Now, if you, if you're going, if someone comes to your door and they knock at your door, the worst thing that you could do is take this verse and throw it in their face right away. The best thing that you could do is have a wonderful conversation with them, a loving conversation with them, a prayerful conversation with them. And I don't, one time, I'm not doing this to be proud, but one time I had them over to the house for a couple hours. It was a little longer than I wanted it to be. <laughs> but I read them some verses. Did they get converted to Christianity? No. But I believe with all my heart there were some seeds because they read some of the Bible that they had no idea was in there. They had no idea it was in there, even though they have a Bible. So Jesus had, it is, Jesus did not have a beginning. He's more than just a man. He's creator. He is God in the flesh. He is Lord. So here we go again. Do you guys believe, everybody watching online, are you guys here? Do you believe that Jesus is Lord? The second question is more important. Demons believe he's Lord. The question really is, does your life show that Jesus is your Lord? Let me answer it for you, for me. Sometimes no. I don't always have a, how many of us have a good attitude all the time? Some of you guys do. Saint, whatever you're, you know, I'll just throw in, you know, Saint Dwayne. You just, you hover when you, you float, when you walk. To, you go into, you go into all of the door opens before, you don't even have to lock it, it just opens when you're walking. And if you had a little more hair, it'd be flowing in the wind, right? You'd be, you know, maybe the hair back in the 70s, you know, I've seen those pictures with long hair, long beard, you know, and it's just flowing and the door opens and the butterflies and birds flow out. You know, it's just, no, that's not how we really are. Like, sometimes my life does not show that Jesus is Lord. So my question is, at this second, at this moment, if it's a no, we can fix that. We can work on it. Because it's not just saying Jesus is Lord, it's actually believing that he's Lord enough that my life matches that belief. Jesus went on the passage to show a group of phony believers. Beware of these teachers of religious law, for they love to parade around in flowing robes and receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces, and how they love the seats of honor in the synagogues and the head table at banquets. Yet at the same time, they shamelessly cheat widows out of their property, and then they pretend to be pious by making long prayers in public. And because of this, they'll be more severely punished. They believed that he was Lord, but they didn't live it out. They didn't actually live it out. They loved to look the part. I like to say it this way. They're, they're, they're outside. Their bodies, they, they were Christian in body, if you will. But the heart, they were atheists. What really matters? Can it look like we're Christian on the outside? And actually be atheists on the inside? Absolutely. I think if we're being honest, all of us at one point in our Christian walk, we've been atheists at heart. What I mean by that is that you, you say, yeah, Jesus is Lord, but by my lifestyle, I deny him. 
If he's Lord, what does that make him? He's my king. He's my authority. What he says goes. If I go against his word, that's it being in disobedience to him. That's sin. That's missing the mark. Do your actions and your motives show that you believe that Jesus is the real Lord of your life? Is he really in charge of you? Do you live for him? Or do you live for yourself? Last, and this is the, this is the last one for today. Do you tell others that Jesus is Lord? Now, the reason why is because if you believe that Jesus is Lord, if you believe that he is the only way to be with the Father, you have the only lifeline in your possession that they need. It would be like going to the lake. It'd be like going to Dorshak Reservoir, seeing someone drowning, and you have I, you have the only lifeline. We'll just because the Bible's here. I have a I have a lifeline right here. I have a buoy or whatever. I have something I can throw to you that you can hang on to and you can be saved. But I can't give it to you because I have it to myself. If I don't give it to you, who's drowning? Because I'm holding on to it myself. What does that make me? Well, I mean, let's be honest. It makes me like a miserable person. If I go, if I go to Orfino and I go swimming and there's someone drowning and I have the only life vest, it is my responsibility to take that life vest and give it to the person that's drowning. That's the responsibility that I have. It's placed on me because I have the only life vest. So when it comes to, when it comes to eternity, we have the, we have the only life vest on planet earth. No one, there is no other life vest but Jesus. And if you're drowning, you can throw them an anvil. That's not going to help. Right? You can throw them a car. That's not going to help. That's going to pull them down. Or you can do nothing, and I could do nothing, and they're going to sit there and kick and go, oh, this is fun. And they don't realize that sooner or later, they're gone. We have a responsibility in our life to let people know Jesus is the only way. I, but I, I just, I'm not a preacher. I don't go, I don't go preach on street corners. I don't either. And I am a preacher. Here's what I want us all to do, and I want to do myself, is get to know the people in our neighborhoods. Get to know our people around us. Get to know people in our community. Get to know people. Like, build that trust that they'll actually stop and they'll listen to what you have to say. Most people, which is why that knocking on doors, they don't always work. Because most people will go, nope. People, when you build, when you build, when they build the trust in you and say, okay, this is someone that I like, I can actually consider what they're saying. Get to know people, love people. And then at the appropriate time, sooner rather than later, you tell them that Jesus is the only way. Because why? Jesus is Lord. He said, go out into the world and proclaim the gospel. Disciple people, make disciples. He said it. Why? He's Lord. He gives the command order. He gives us the papers. We go, okay, this is it. This is what we're doing. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this verse. It's There's a lot in it that in a short little 
package, but I pray that it, we would take it to heart that God, you inspired David to write this passage that meant that Jesus, you're more than just a man. You're my Lord. You're King David's Lord. You're, you sit at the right hand of God the Father. And it's an amazing thought. We, we take that for granted because we think we know it and maybe we do know it, but a lot of people don't know that. And maybe Christians are, we're guilty of being counterfeit in a sense because we know that to be true, but we don't live it out. Help us to be genuine. Help our hearts be genuine. Help it to be real. God, I thank you for each one here. I pray for blessing as they go. I pray for just wonderful times with their family and with their neighbors and with their friends this week. I pray that there be conversations to be said, to be had around people's tables and couches and in the, in the community. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Love you guys.